what's our what's our chit chat and banter before we jump in? Anybody got something um, to talk about? Oh, uh, gas stoves. Yeah, we don't have one. So, like, um, what's going on? The Biden administration wants to ban gas stoves. Natural gas stoves. Yeah. Huh. Why? Uh, I don't know. Climate. People suddenly dying. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with all of this crazy weather that's hitting California. I bet like Lake Mead's going to be like full because we were down there last year. It was crazy low. But they, uh, sorry, I'm sure they're blaming it all on climate change, not the change mm-hmm. from gas stuff. All right, yeah, yeah, keep going. That's what it's all about. Yeah, but I'm sure the Sierras probably have like 50 feet of snow right now. <clears throat> I saw a, a headline. The, the terrifi- terrifying phenomena is becoming increasingly common because of climate change. And they're talking, and it's uh, about why people suddenly pass out. You see all these videos, right? <laughs> of people just like shaking yeah, and flying like, dead. They like look up and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a Vice article is about why this is happening. Climate, is change. climate change? Yeah. Did you watch that? Did Doc send you the video on the. the uh, he sent me some vaccine video. No, we don't talk about it. Oh. No, go ahead. Just kidding. But like all the um, the guys that do the, we talked about this, at the funeral homes, oh, yeah. prepare the dead. Oh, yeah. The yeah. crap yeah. in there. Like, and there's all sorts of videos of that. Died mm-hmm. suddenly. Just yeah. die suddenly. Yeah. Yep. Climate change. Man, it's scary. Like, climate change is yep. frightening. <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet today that the, the next richest man in the world will be the one who figures out an antidote to the COVID vaccine. <laughs> that may be true. Yeah. That way they're not hunting down pure bloods like us. Oh. Harvesting our everything. Yeah. That's a dystopian movie right there. <laughs> Speaking of dystopian. <laughs> Anything else? Nope. You should run on a platform. Greg DeVries for president. You can keep your stove. Yeah. Yeah, I should. I could do that. Do you have natural? You don't have a gas stove at your house? No. But what's the difference between a gas stove and a gas furnace? Thing? They, well, they both run off the land. Yeah, yeah, I mean, oh yeah. So you think they're going to get rid of furnaces too? Well, I know over in places in Spokane, you cannot build a new building and install natural gas lines. You can only use natural gas if it's in a remodel. Kind of like a grandfathered in thing. So if you do any new construction, there's no natural gas. It's permitted to be piped into it. Talking to a friend who works for a utility company. Yeah. So they're just going to have the coal plants running off, of, or the power plants running off natural gas, <laughs> like windmills. I don't like because I mean yeah. you're going to have to have an electric. If everything's electric, it's still going to yeah. Yeah, require combustion of some sort. But you don't. It's not seen. Oh. <laughs> but I think more than people have been talking about that I've seen in Twitter and articles that it's not. Of course, it's not about carbon. Uh, build up and stuff like that. If you, if your house is fully electric, they're in control of it. Huh. They can just shut on electric grids, mm-hmm. rolling blackouts. Yeah. They can just it's just more control. The company I worked for got in my cutting my teeth for eight years in IT was a uh, yeah that was their technology. They had a meter on the house that you know if you didn't pay your bills they could cut it remotely. Yeah, and then they were getting into the thermostat business. Yeah, didn't they do that in parts of California? Like hmm. they, they regulated thermostats so you can cool down your house below yeah. seventy two or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Well, but it's happening. That'll never happen here. That's the. Did you see the new climate lockdowns that are going to take place next year over in London? Hmm. I forget the name of the town. Hold on. It might come to me while we're talking about it. Over in London or England? England. And there's a yeah, a little town over in England where they're sectioning off the town into six zones and you need permission to travel in between them. And you have to stay home 100 days out of the 365 to limit your carbon footprint and help reduce climate change. Wow. Yeah, I'll send you the article about it. Oh, actually... <sighs> Really, it's clown world. Isn't I'll it? just send you the link right now. I'll send you the link, guys. 
Yeah, that's really crazy. From the only news source I trust. <clears throat> and really, the the Biden administration shouldn't be able to do anything. To your stove? Yeah. Yes. But I know they'll point to the... There you go. Bureaucracy. If we could just save one life, Greg. Get rid of your gas stove. Yeah. We lost a friend. Where'd he go? But the bureaucracy shouldn't be able to do that either. Correct. We need William Wallace. Yeah, we need something. I wonder what would happen, you know, when when COVID crazy came and they said, was it how many days to slow the curve? Is that 15? 15 days to slow the curve. And then... They extended it, and I was thinking in my head, no way are Americans going to go along with this. And then they did. And I think of like a climate lockdown. No way would Americans go along with this. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, they will. There will be people who go along with it, and there will be people who complain about it and go along with it. Yep. Those are the two groups of people, right? Yep. Well, apart from that sadness, let's talk about something else that's sad. This evening. Who picked this movie? On the stories... Well, we saw it coming out, right? Uh-huh. I don't remember who shared the trailer first. I think it was your idea. So. Okay. This evening, we're talking on the Stories for Glory podcast, where we look at this glory of God found in the stories of man. We're looking at All Quiet on the Western Front, with the newest rendition, 2022, just last a year ago. How many, have you got, did you guys look to see how many times this book has been made into a movie? Mm-mm. I that video you sent, sound like the only other one was in the 30s. Oh, I thought there was a couple more, but. Oh, my uh, I don't know. Look, look, look it up. We'll find out next episode. <laughs> I'll get back with you. <laughs> Not that important, apparently. Right. But this is based, what's it about? This is, would you say it's anti-war propaganda? Um, it's about World War One, from the German side, about a young man who falsifies his identity papers so he can enlist, and it's about the horrors that he goes through during the war. And if I understand right, the book was written so that people could understand just how horrific the war was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in that sense, it was propaganda. No, no, yeah, we've talked about propaganda on the show. Mm -hmm. The term itself is neutral. Oh, that was really well done. Did you say that before we started? Yeah, it was, I mean, a well-produced movie. Yeah. It was a a Volkswagen version of All Quiet. It was made in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, the Germans did it justice. They didn't try to hide what they were doing back then. Did they have the subtitles version on Netflix too? Probably. Yes, because I complained about it when Greg put on the English yeah. dubbed one. Oh. But I was the only one complaining, so he kept it running. And I didn't even hear him, so. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> he listens to me enough. He tunes me out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was really well done. Did you watch the Eng- you watched the English dub then? Yeah. Well, if I try and watch subtitles after like six o'clock at night. How old are you? <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I have to. I don't mind subtitles in movies, but yeah, I, just. I, I have a really hard time staying awake. And that it's like reading a book. You start reading a book, and I'm out in like ten minutes. You kind of have to stand up to read or walk around. Yeah, we we lived in a one bedroom apartment when our first child was born, so we always had subtitles on. Oh. So we just got accustomed to it. Mm. We always, we still do. They're still on. Just turn the sound way down and read the subtitles. When yeah, when we had an, yeah, an infant in a one bedroom apartment, yeah, we just mm-hmm. turn the volume down, not all the way, but and the subtitles. <clears throat> and now we have the subtitles on because our kids just talk so much and ask questions <laughs> and who's that? What's going on? And usually, if they just wait ten seconds, they'll find out. Uh-huh. But they don't. <laughs> so we have the subtitles on so I can at least yep. answer their questions later yeah I have a kid that's all about that right now 
What's going on? Who's, who's that? What are they doing? Why did he say that? Just give it time. Yeah. Just give it time. So how's it start? It starts out with uh, kind of the war machine, the, the circle of war. Yeah. People get killed. They take their clothes off. The clothes go to... A laundry, laundry service. Net. Get the blood rinsed out. Get the pat holes sewn up. And yeah. then they put the uniforms back in the lines of the new recruits. Yeah. Yeah. And so it goes. Rinse, yeah. rinse, recycle, repeat. And then he puts his, he gets the suit, the uniform, and he's like, oh, this is, this is someone else's. It's still got his name tag on it. He goes, that was a mistake, you know, that was a mistake. Yeah. yeah, and there's a whole pile of them. Mm-hmm. I guess from a propaganda perspective, when you, without, well, it's just World War One in general. What they say? How far was the the front line moved over the course of all those lives yeah, lost in years? It was like yards, a couple like a hundred yards, not even that. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's yeah, crazy. That's, that's pretty brutal. Yep. What was really accomplished in that? Well, I don't know what happened. I'm not up on World War One. I. I don't know what happened elsewhere. What was going like on? Like down in Africa and Italy. Or was was there war in Africa? Or like uh-huh. no, that's World War Two. Yeah. I don't either. I bet. I don't know. There was other fighting. It wasn't the only spot. But I think their point was, at that spot, it only fluctuated a hundred yards, and they lost. I don't remember how many lives. Yeah. But over nothing, basically. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, over honor and pride in the motherland. Right. Did you hear Dr. Robotnik with his giant mustache and his evil villainous suit he wore and his coat? Mm-hmm. Was that at the school in the beginning? Yeah, there and then at the last march. Mm. Remember, there's like 12 minutes to go before the armistice is called and he sends them all out to go and fight. That was the same guy on the balcony? No. No, it was a different guy at the recruiting office. Oh, but, yeah, I guess it But was. it was pretty much the same kind of speech. Okay, yeah. And the boys were all riled up in the first one to go and fight, and then the second speech at the end of the movie, nice chiasm, right? Um, they were just taking orders. Yeah. And one, one guy refused to go and he got shot, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to read my note on that. On which part? On the rousing people with patriotism. Uh, I'm just going to read my note. This will be clumsy. Read your note. Uh, Blind patriotism. Very dangerous on a grand scale. School spirit, family loyalty is workable. National patriotism is dangerous because levels of government multiply corruption. And there's degrees of separation. And propaganda is a real thing in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, that's that's what occurred to me in this, when you have, and that's why we were supposed to be a locally governed republic of several states, because when a somebody, confederation should we say, yeah, when somebody far away in Washington D.C. is calling the sons to fight for the glory of the motherland and taking away your gas stove, <clears throat> you don't know. There's no connection with with them. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what's going on in Washington. Most people assume, well, it's, it's pretty, you know, but it's a cesspool of crime and corruption. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people get suckered into enlisting and going off and fighting to defend America. Yeah. When we don't even really realize what, on a grand scale, America is like. A lot of those people go off, think they're... You know what your Texas hometown is like. Yes. You don't know what New York City and San Francisco right. and L.A. are like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that type of patriotism to fight for your home and property is good in a local sense. It's a good impulse, sure. yeah. Yes. Like a National Guard or something that emergencies or your state borders are being attacked. Mm-hmm. But out of grants. Yeah, or or local fire, forest yeah. fire. Well, yeah, yeah. So you said something about David? Did you say something about David? Mm-mm. You sure? Yeah. I thought you started off with King David. No. 
Was it? No. No, were you, were you not listening? Well, I was thinking about King David, so you said <laughs> something. No? <clears throat> Must be the water I'm drinking. No, I well, didn't hear anything about I thought you were talking about the difference between something like Germany sending their men off to war without knowing their leaders. Same thing we do in the States. I thought you had contrasted that with David, unless I just did it in my mind. You probably did it in your mind. Like when you read about why men follow David, it's because he fought with them. That mm-hmm. comes up later in my notes. Oh, well, go for it. I don't know. I'd have to look for it. Oh, well, you look for it. <laughs> it's gonna, it's interesting that we're talking about this movie tonight and the following one. Mm-hmm. Just the difference in leadership. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time not commenting on the next movie. Yeah. Uh, it comes up in the note. Military participation should be. And I haven't worked this theory out. Oh, here out. we go again. <laughs> I haven't worked this theory out, but it's making sense in my head. It should be incessantly voluntary. You should always be a volunteer, and it should always be up to you whether you want to partake in this raid or this, you know, whatever. So you're saying, like, no standing commanders? Well, or there's... generals got, or committees or anything like that? Just like any... Well... N- not if you turn around, you'll be deserting. Oh, and we'll shoot you. Deserting won't be a thing. Mm-hmm. Or resisting whatever refusal to obey orders wouldn't be a thing. Mm-hmm. If leadership can't convince you to carry out an order as a free man, then they've failed, not the soldier, is my thought. Blind, unquestioned obedience should flow from loyalty, not tyranny. And that's what you were talking about with David. With David. The, yeah, the and, and Israel. I mean, you love your king and you love your people. Yeah. But the leadership should be such that people will follow you to hell. Mm-hmm. Rather than, you go to hell and we'll stay back here. Right. Because we've got to make yeah. decisions. Yeah, and the difference, at least, at least in the early kings, the difference between David and Saul, where Saul began to rule as a tyrant, and his soldiers left, challenged him and abandoned him. And where David uh, ruled as a brother, mm-hmm. and men followed him. Yeah. They left Saul to follow him. And there's that difference. Ruling in tyranny, and ru- well, I'd say ruling in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I had in a note about David's weakness was staying back. That verse it was the time when kings went out to war, but David stayed home. Right. And that was a bad thing on his part. But Uriah's nobility was when David tried to get him to stay home. Right, he's like, I, yeah. I can't be here. My men are out. Even though he's geographically separated from his men, he was still acting the man, yeah. the soldier. He's still in solidarity with his men. How could yeah. I go home to my wife and yeah. and lay with her? How could I drink with you? How yeah. can I do this when they're out there dying? Yeah. So Uriah proved the man on that one. The Hittite, by the way. God-fearing Gentile. Take that, David. Which he did. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and so in this movie, we see the tyranny of the bureaucracy and the government. And the movie, like you said, was really well made. Like the soundtrack, it was quite striking, which I'll talk about later. Uh, But the visuals... Aside from the the dread of war, I didn't think it'd be. A, it wasn't as gory as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I don't. I don't need it to be anymore. Right. Um, but by visuals, I mean the striking contrast between the men in the trenches and the men in the halls. Mm-hmm. And every time, I think. What, did you point this out, or did our unnamed friend point it out when you were watching? That every time you're in the trenches, the men have camaraderie. So they're singing, or they're fighting, or they're stealing a goose to eat it, or they're playing cards, or they're crapping. You know, like even going to the bathroom together. Yeah. And they're reading letters. You know, read, read this letter I got from home. Um, read it to me. But in the halls of all the bureaucracy, everyone's alone. They're at their desks alone. They're walking alone. They're going to meetings alone. You know, every, and it's so cold. Everything's beautiful in the halls. Mm-hmm. Because I think we commented on that too. They just don't make buildings like oh, that. The architecture, yeah. The architecture yeah. is amazing. The craftsmanship yeah, yeah, yeah. is amazing. But the people who inhabit them are worthless cowards. 
And then the contrast of that with the blood and the mud and the barbed wire and the men who inhabit that are faithful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're faithful mm-hmm. to their country. They're faithful to their brothers. And and it's just, it should, you know, you kind of want to switch it. Yeah. Like, you guys need to go and fight, and you guys need to get into office and rule. And it would have been a completely different war. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so the movie, with those contrasts, it was just really well done. But um, in the trenches, you saw that David brotherly camaraderie and love. And uh, to the guys in the halls and the institutions, the individual soldier did not matter. Mm-hmm. Right, but in the trench, every guy mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, in most war. Yeah, and when I think about it, being a commander or a general and sending men out to their deaths, there would have to be a level of distance between me and them to get the job done. I just couldn't think about. It. You got 20,000 soldiers and you send them to the front lines. 5,000 made it back. You know, like, how do, how do you guys do that? Mm-hmm. When, right. you, when you think about Patton and uh, generals from World War II uh, dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, you're just like, how could you bear that weight? And so I can understand some level of disassociation, but, hmm. but at least in this film... There was no communication. There was no um, attempts at camaraderie between leadership and soldiers. Right. It was completely severed. Yeah. And that's the irony that's brought out in the movie, is all the elites are hanging back and fighting for power and whatever. Yeah, eating, eating like kings. Yeah. But the men who built the halls and lined those halls with all the wood and built the buildings that these guys are in mm-hmm. are the ones in the trenches yeah getting killed <clears throat> yeah and one thing from the book oh, were you going to say something? <laughs> one thing from the book that didn't come across quite as well in the movie but I mean it still did in the movie but it, you read it mm-hmm. did you end up reading it Greg? Mm-hmm. just the um, how, how war changes you like, I don't mean this in a new age sense, but existentially. So the book, after a battle scene, uh, there's a lot of mental dread that the author talks about that you carry around, a lot of mental darkness through it. And that's actually seen in the book is more terrifying than the battle sometimes. And the movie, you see it in the change of the characters, you know, as they um, go to war joyfully. And then a year into the war, they're all like 25 pounds skinnier. They're all smoking. You know, they're all really haggard looking. But you're not getting the, the internal mm. ruminations of these men. But in the book, you do. And that, when I read the book, I thought that was a more devastating piece. But maybe that's because we're desensitized to violence. Yeah. But not the mental turmoil. So I, I'd recommend reading the book for that. There was that scene where they're sitting on the paper together, and Cat was talking about that. Yeah, just life. How can we go back? How do you go back to? And that's, I mean, that's a really interesting thought. Like Greatest Generation, World War Two, what they experienced, what they saw, World War One, even more horrific. It's trench warfare. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you even begin to live a normal life if you survived it? Right after doing what you had to do. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff is terrifying to think about. It is, yeah. That's where, that's where the propaganda of it, you can, start, especially if there's no real, and I remember listening to a hardcore history, Dan Carlin, like years ago, and I, it just slipped my mind. It was on World War One. He does it great. Like, it was like 20 hours. Yeah, he does good stuff. But, what it was over, I think it was like an assassination, and it was just, I think maybe what was happening a little bit with the Russia's encroachment of like you're getting too you're kind of boxing us in and Germany just had enough but yeah I don't know it's, it's so in that regard so if you don't know what you're fighting for that'd be really really difficult yeah. and yeah. I'm sure those guys got to that point you could kind of see it in them 
Mm-hmm. What are we doing out here? Yeah, and the, mm-hmm. and the movie itself never says who's right, who's wrong. Yeah. I mean, you when you watch it, you're like, well, no one's right. Mm-hmm. Paul's just in a bad situation. <laughs> you know, like, those boys shouldn't be there. Right. You know, no one's right. Maybe the French, their coffee and bad guts look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they had food. So where was the was the front line in Belgium, or was the actual front line? I mean, was it was it in France? Because I mean, then then France yeah. has more of the right because they're being encroached upon. Wasn't the Western Front Paris? <clears throat> I know they were heading to, to Paris. Oh. I don't know how close. So if it was in France, I mean, France is doing what they have to do. Yeah, to they're defending the their border. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure when the movie starts and they enlist and they hop in the truck. Yeah, and it we'll says. Well, they said we would be in Paris. I that was my understanding was that they would be taking over oh. the French and be in Paris within. So they're trying to get to Paris. Weeks. Yeah. Mm. But it, that obviously didn't happen. It was years, and it's interesting too the amount of youth. Just you think about the the rhetoric and the propaganda from the scene where they're all excited. We're going to war. You know, we're, they're all just a bunch of young kids. Yep. And Too much Call of Duty, <laughs> right? Yeah, they don't they don't know what they're talking about. And you're, there's that part too, because I mean, World War II is not that much, you know, post that. You would think the parents that spread the next round of Hitler kids would have something to say about that, but it was it's just like right back to it. Like the Hitler Youth were, yeah, just as they jumped right back on that bandwagon. See that a little bit in our culture today. The um, Antifa, Antifa, um, climate change warriors. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, the zeal of youth seems like yeah. it's, can be. Well, at least here in the States, the the zeal is more a zeal for violence because it's not being prosecuted. You know, like, have you seen all these viral videos of people just getting in fights at Walmart and Waffle House and people stealing groceries and, have you seen all these things? Mm-hmm. And it's just happening all over the place. People stealing stuff from CVS and Walgreens and, and no one's being prosecuted. Mm. They just, well... When there's lawlessness, what do you expect? There's just more and more violence. Mm-hmm. So, I, so there is that kind of a zeal, but a, a zeal like a Hitler Youth type thing. I don't, I don't know if that's. Well, let's see. I think you can see it definitely in the the propaganda of climate change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a it's a different type of war, but it is a. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just a it's it's not using your brain to even think. It's an, you're just getting wrapped up in the emotional. An ideologue warrior. Mm-hmm. And a 17-year-old kid, because his buddies are going to war, I think you see that. I mean, mm-hmm. how many of mm-hmm. these high schoolers that are zealots about climate change know the first thing about it? Mm-hmm. Right. It's just, it's all my peers are into this, so I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think, it's not war, and I, I mean, because it would be the opposite. There's not a whole lot of patriotism in the youth of America. Yeah, that's why I said kind of, ideologue. Let's, let's just destroy America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so some of those, some of the imagery, just the, the value of teaching your children right from wrong, and how to think. Right. I mean, if not not join the cool not, club, not just get wrapped up in the emotional hype of the next cool thing, which is just so prevalent in our culture. And yeah. Unfortunately, for these kids in World War One, it was war, and that and the hype quickly is alleviated with. I mean, you see it. They the like. Their very first day, they're down in the trenches, you know, scooping water out of a out of the trench. Out of the trench, yeah. Uh, I think one of the kids like, I didn't sign up for this. And right. Like, yeah. Like, oh. I wanted to fight in the green grass, right? Not die. <laughs> also, so that's yeah. maybe maybe the lack of. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the media, the influence of the media at that time, like what was happening in Germany. Obviously, they had to be suppressing what was really going on on the Western Front to get people to really sign up for that stuff. Yeah, well, they were even trying to hide it with their recycled uniforms. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. What you got there in your notes? Um. You guys, we, we talked about some of the bad stuff. What's some of the good stuff, I suppose? You got any good stuff in your notes? Good, yeah. The glory of God type good stuff? Uh. Well, I got some good stuff. It was interesting... To see the effect of women on men. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that one guy, what they're all doing their own laundry or something. 
Is that what he's, they were doing? And he takes off after those two girls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when he came back with the scarf, you know, they wanted to patch him. Want Everybody wanted to smell it, just to yeah. smell it. Just to smell a woman. Yeah. Taking, taking the, the, the pictures off of the... Yeah, the yeah, posters. The posters. And the actresses. Yeah. yeah. I, I, is it, hey, what do you say, like, come here, I, darling, or something? Not the poster, but I get it. Like, could you imagine not being around your wife for yeah. three years, two years, whatever, however long that was? Yeah. Well, that was another point that came up, is the imposed celibacy on soldiers hmm. that have to go to war like that. I mean, we decry Roman Catholic for imposing celibacy on their priests <laughs> and how militarily we quite often do the same thing yeah. with our own men they become priests of our military and have to be celibate yeah but Obama let the gays in oh yeah no, solve that problem huh? <laughs> we're getting into so much trouble on this one if it ever le- if it ever leaks out but, and it made me wonder Seeing the, because you take all this stuff for granted until you see it in like a, a war situation, the influence of women mm-hmm. on men or in culture, but then you wonder, especially in situations of war, and I've never been in that, of course, but I wondered if uh, men would just become monsters without the temperance of, of women oh, yeah. in their lives with a killing and then no women around. Right. Mm-hmm. Sort of, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like other, like Band of Brothers, you know, I think they played some of that stuff out. Just, but these are young men too. They're not like six-year-old dudes popping Viagra. They're like yeah. 18 to yeah. 26-year-olds, you know, probably in the prime of their... Yeah. And they're bigger. Yeah, they're bigger. Yeah. Their peak of killing and right peak of sexual capacity. And well, there's <clears throat> plenty of that when they got back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. On that same note, I think the thing when you're talking about things that you take for granted, um, the goose scene was pretty great. I mean, just food, mm-hmm. feasting. I mean. When you just when and they you share dog it. food for yeah. months on end. Yeah, and just how... I mean, just a boiled goose. Probably not much for seasoning anything. Maybe some salt. And just grease. They just, just go to town on yeah. it. And so, they love it, and they're yeah. singing, and they're dancing. Like, you can... I think you can resonate with that, you know, when they're just... Yeah, communion. Yep. And that's, Doing it together. that's where the movie contrasts with, like, the guy, the, the commander, whatever, mm-hmm. the leader of the armies... And he's sitting at his table all alone, and he's this lavish feast, but he's by himself. Yeah. And he throws a bone to a dog. Yeah. And these men stole a goose, and they're having the best time. Yeah. Celebrating, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the camaraderie, the 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 brotherhood. We already talked about it a little bit, but just I think I, I liked watching Cat and Paul's relationship develop because mm-hmm. I think mean, he was there at the very start, just like right, right as Paul's getting. At the very, like they're scooping out the the water and yep. you can just pull they help each other all the time. He's helping him from the very it's like Frodo. It's like a, yeah, Sam Frodo. It's almost he's almost like a father figure too because mm-hmm. he is older. But just seeing their their friendship and everyone that Paul makes friends with, either going in or throughout, one by one, they just all end up slowly get picked off. Yep, either from the enemy or suicide. That was a rough scene in the churchyard. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When he asked for a fork? Yep. Ugh. Never give a suicidal man a fork. Nope. Ugh. And then, then they turn around and his food and boots are gone. Yeah. Right? They're trying to save his life. And they, was that right? His food and his boots? Or did it, was it just his food? But... Yeah, they brought him a plate of stew or something. And yeah, and someone else took it while he was dying. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, good things to see. A lot of glory. What do you got? Yeah, I'm 
What do you get? What do you got with the, What do you got with the the blown out hole? I mean, I don't have anything up my sleeve, but I was going to talk about that mortar hole. Yeah, the, with the with Paul and that Frenchman. Because yeah. once once they were alone, they were the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. they weren't enemies anymore. Yeah, and I don't. Um, <laughs> that was that was a hard scene too. Not quite as hard as Saving Private Ryan knife scene. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. same idea. Same idea. Same idea. Well, they're 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 enemies the whole time. But here, when Paul ends up winning the knife fight, um, he backs off from the guy, from the Frenchman, and he catches his breath and he looks over and he's still alive, and there's blood coming out everywhere, and he's staring at him and he's staring at him. And he didn't he ask for help or water or something. And then Paul's conscience breaks and he runs to him and tries to save his life. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm with you, brother or comrade. And he's speaking French to him. And he takes... Um, Frenchman doesn't make it. But then he takes the Frenchman's uh, family photo and his dog tags or whatever they use. I don't think it was dog tags like we have, but his identification and he promises he'll get it to his family and uh, that was a really powerful scene mm-hmm. that that I remember reading that in the book that, he, he that apologizes was, that was a really hard part of the book I think it does show some of the mental turmoil that you're talking about that you missed. yeah that's that scene really did yeah yeah just uh, yeah yeah why am I killing this guy uh-huh he's just he's an unnamed guy just like me Right. Why are we fighting each other? Yeah. Yeah, and the grief and the guilt for having done it mm-hmm. even apologizes. Um, yeah, that was... There I'd be, you know, this, I'd be a complete mess. Yeah. Doing that kind of stuff. And again, the only reason they're in that hole, each of them, they're fighting for their motherland or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's because of the guy's... With the lavish feasts in the saying go the wood halls mm-hmm. that are sending them in there. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so I wrote down in my notes: tanks are terrifying, flamethrowers are terrifying, and hand-to-hand combat is terrifying. Like the scene where he runs out of ammo on that last charge. And he's saving that new young guy. They just recruited him. Yeah. Like the day of the armistice. And just this young kid. And Paul's trying to protect him the whole time. So he makes it. And Paul just kills all these Frenchmen to save this one young kid. And he runs out of ammo. And he uses his latrine shovel. Just, I can Hand-to-hand combat is just nuts. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. And then it was like those German soldiers had never seen tanks before either when the French came in. Oh, right. I mean, it was... They're brand new. Brand new. They'd yeah. never seen chemical warfare. Yeah, mustard gas, chlorine gas, flamethrowers. In a, in, a in a world war that people were still riding horses and using swords, yeah. there were tanks and mustard gas and flamethrowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. Yeah. It was but, that. you know, we're living in the hardest times in the history of the world. Oh, right, no, right now, pretty soft. COVID is—it's just the worst. The dude that lost his kid, that was you know fighting for the treaty, essentially. There was some good in that. I mean, he was trying to to stop the onslaught of more lives lost. Yeah, we, he we, just the longer peace. we wait, the more the more thousands of lives are lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, he was the good German mm-hmm. leader. You want, yeah. Probably hit him when he lost his kids, or his kid. Got it. Mm-hmm. He just wanted what are peace. We fighting for again. I can relate with that. I think as a dad, that'd be really hard. Yeah. Especially, in, especially in what may not be just war. Like, I think there was something about honor. I mean, it'd still be hard, but if it was a just war, that's an honorable act. I mean, if it's if you're fighting for if you're willing, Wallace, yeah, right. But in that, in that, I think that's all again the whole propaganda of the movie. Mm-hmm. The story is 
war is pointless. Like, war is hell. Like, what are we... Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. We're losing our children. That would be... Hard as a parent. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... Yeah. <clears throat> Three million end up being dead from the German side and 17 million total. There was a, there was a lack of... Which is interesting because you would think as a propaganda, and maybe not, but there was a there was a lack of much um, spiritualism for the you know people mm. like you remember in um, 1917 in a hidden life yeah in hidden like there's because <clears throat> that would have been a big part I'm sure of those Lutherans. yeah like there would have been prayer there would have been scripture and this one just had nothing it was just like nihilism and mm-hmm. just I don't remember much of that in the book either though yeah there, well there's not it's just the the difference between other mm. you know <clears throat> World War One, World War Two stories I think we've seen that 1917 I think there was some mm-hmm. throughout that but anyway. well yeah well like the most haunting scene in 1917 was when he comes up out of that river mm-hmm. in the fog and he hears that boy yeah. singing yep. about crossing the Jordan yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This movie's void of all of that. And I think yeah. that's sometimes even what... Because, I mean, as haunting as that is, it's also... Encouraging. Encouraging. Where this just has none of it. Mm-hmm. It was just... It was real. I mean, I, I actually stayed up late watching it. But it just... I just left being really depressed. It's a sad movie. But maybe it's supposed to be. When I was talking about the soundtrack, like, the music contradicts everything that's happening... Remember in the beginning of the movie, I was like, chuck, chuck. Uh-huh. And it was like this harsh, um, like just sticks clacking together. And that's like right in the beginning of the movie, when all these young boys are celebrating the war and they've enlisted and they're going. And if it was like a, um, a positive propaganda, it would be inspirational three chords. <laughs> Your heartstrings would be pulled on. But here they're celebrating and the soundtrack is completely it's giving you a completely different emotion mm-hmm. than what they have. And usually movies don't do that. Right. right so the movie was just uh, a movie of contrasts. Yeah. And the, even the soundtrack did it. The soundtrack was almost like a horror movie. Yeah. It was deep bass and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like that guitar riff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, the movie... I mean, it kind of had a plot and a flow to it. But it was really choppy and episodic. It was just like, here's a war scene, here's a war scene, mm-hmm. here's a goose scene, here they're on the crapper, oh, here's the general, oh, going back. It was very um, disorganized. Pointless. Yeah, like maybe that's part of the way the, they made the movie. And the movie ends the way it began, with a new recruit in, in a muddy trench. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the beginning of the movie... There's a quote-unquote veteran. He's probably only in the war for a year. And he dies in the mud. And someone else picks up his dog tags. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, at the end of this, at the end of the movie, Paul ends up dead in the mud. And the boy that he saved ends up collecting all the dead dog tags, all the uh, dog tags from the dead men. Mm-hmm. And it's like just anonymity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just completely ubiquitous death. And from beginning to end, what was the point? Yeah. Right? The movie says, uh, blood and mud. Yeah. That was it. So you take you take those two bookends, and everything that happened in the middle, at least the movie, I think, is saying, didn't matter. The goose didn't matter. The singing didn't matter. Right. The chasing the girls didn't matter. And even at one point, somebody says, go and fight for honor. And was it Cat or Paul? And he said, honor? What honor? They're dead. Mm-hmm. There is no They don't know honor. <coughs> they're, they're dead. And that was kind of just the, the thesis of the movie. like, yeah, The banality, the pointlessness of fighting a war like that. So in that way, if you want to say the movie was good, it accomplished its goal. <laughs> <laughs> right. right? Yeah. It wasn't an uplifting Braveheart. Uh, for a king and for a king in church, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to go die. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was sad. Yep. I think the I, it's been a little while, but I think that was that was essentially the whole premise of writing the book was to try and get people to think about this to wake like, up to what it. are we doing mm-hmm. and visually seeing it it's like yeah what are you doing like especially when it comes to the end and there's just no no ground ground is really gained yeah and you think the capstone of the pointlessness or the futility of the movie was when Paul makes it all the way through the movie <laughs> oh yeah and now uh, that was frustrating wasn't it ends up down in that dugout and he and the Frenchman kind of silently agree well, it's only seconds away Let's yeah just, like 10 yeah. seconds friendly fire and then he gets stabbed from behind or yeah stabbed from behind Bayonet. and then the guy just walks right past and out he runs up the stairs and it was another there. German right it was a German no. it was a Frenchman Frenchman yeah yeah so he was hand to hand combat with one Frenchman oh okay and when they both stood up they just stared at each other like we're alone let's just wait but the guy that stabbed him was I thought it was a German for some reason okay no he was hiding in the shadows and he came out stabbed him and then ran up the stairs okay and then and then the trumpet blew yeah a ceasefire so he missed by just a few seconds yeah yeah that was really frustrating it's kind of like the ending of No Country for Old Men you're like it can't end like that (laughs) yeah it can't end there you know like that's not the way it's supposed to be but that's the way that's it the was. Ones, yeah. yeah, and the last of the Doughboys, I know I've mentioned it before. He gives a few accounts of like the last ten minutes before the armistice went into effect. And that, that stuff really did happen. They went out. There's five minutes of time left. We're going to battle. And guys went. And as soon as the trumpet blast, the last shots still knocked people down. Hmm. It's interesting, the the rules of war there, like how they can honor stuff like that so uh, to the T. Yeah, they just stop. And yet they let they let each other drop a bombs on each other and gas each other and, and flamethrowers and shotguns. It's like how do you like how does honor? Well, if you're going to fight a war, you better win it. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem like how wars were fought historically, there was more rules to it. A that. bit of chivalry mm-hmm. between men. Some honor, like it. I mean, the Revolutionary War. Like there's, yeah. Just I don't I'm know. sure there are scoundrels in there, but oh, sure. In the main. Well, have you ever seen The Patriot? <laughs> no, hey now. <laughs> Sorry. Mel's gonna make a sequel to The Passion, don't oh. you know? We can't talk bad about him. You guys have anything else you wanna? We didn't really. Uh... Sin is bad. Sin brings war. So, run to the Prince of Peace and quit it. <laughs> you can never uh, read God's providence or try and figure out His decree and things. But there's curses for obedience or curses for disobedience. Like, uh, who are you, Tim Keller? <laughs> and and, uh, in, and the saying or the verse. Those whose ways please the Lord, God causes even their enemies to live at peace with them. Yes. Then you wonder what was going on between God and humanity at this point in history. Mm. At least they knew a man was a man and a woman is a woman. Yeah. 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 What was going on for this level of judgment? Probably quite a bit of debauchery and faithlessness. Yeah. And maybe that kind of starts to touch on your point about there really wasn't any prayer. I don't know my history, what Lutheran Germany was like at this point, whether they were just totally liberal. It seemed like, well, this reading Bonhoeffer's story, it seemed like they were the church as a whole was... Pretty much a state institution. Yeah, state institution, liberal to the T, but there was the exceptions. Like Bonhoeffer. Like Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. The bean farmer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Before you send your kids off to war, make sure it's for just cause. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily if we go to war with Taiwan. It's just for economic reasons. Yeah. Oh, there won't be or Ruskies. Yeah. That'll probably be 
the war in the future is going to be interesting too. I don't think it's going to be trench warfare like this, obviously. No. Well, like, look at Ukraine. Yeah. That's not trench warfare. No. Well, not even trench, but it, that, I guess that is on the streets. Um, it's, it's all distance. It's all through the air. It's all drones and rockets and... Utilities. Mm-hmm. Putin's shutting down electricity. Blowing up dams. Yeah. Or threatening blowing up dams. Yeah, well, that's a difference too in warfare. Um, right now, civilians are on target. Where, like in World War One, soldiers fought soldiers mm-hmm. in, in in the main. I'm sure there were some that bombed civilians, but well, actually, uh, aircraft wasn't really prevalent in World War One. So, right, World War Two. Yeah. Then we bombed the crap out of civilians. Well, they started it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, have you read the Bomber Mafia? Mm-mm. You should you should listen to it. It's about the creation of the Air Force as a separate military branch in World War II hmm. by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a really interesting book. I recommend it. Cool. Like uh, it talks about the book. He talks about the the creation of napalm and how he used it in Japan. Because you know, don't you know their houses are made out of wood and rice paper? This works great. <laughs> but napalm I forget the university like Stanford or Harvard or somebody there are these uh, science students trying to create a renewable or not a renewable sorry but a, a highly efficient cost effective energy source to heat homes and somehow it got leaked out to the government military branch that they created this gelatinous type stuff that burned at Man, I can't remember the temperature. But it burned at an extreme, extremely high temperature for a, a duration of time, a long time. And it just kept burning, and you couldn't put it out. And they're like, oh, really? And it was designed for the purpose of heating homes. So it was like a good, like, hey, we're trying to... Not everybody can afford utilities or get wood or do whatever, so let's have a cheaper alternative for people. So there's a bunch of geeks who figured this out, and then the government came in and was like, yoink! <laughs> and they started putting bombs and spraying it all over the place. Hmm. But anyway, it's interesting stuff like that. Hmm. And how the United States Air Force found the jet streams up in the sky. Hmm. So when your plane gets up into a jet stream, you fly like at five times the speed because it just carries you. Have you ever seen a picture of the globe with the jet streams wrapping around it? Mm-hmm. And at one point, they were flying over the Himalayas and they didn't reach their target on time, and they they couldn't figure out why. And then they kept sh- overshooting their target by like 150 miles, and they couldn't figure out why. Because by the speed we're going and the time we've been flying, we should be here. Mm. And the pilot asked one of his... Man, I wish I knew all these terms. One of his guys, clock our airspeed. And he said, we're going negative 12 knots. <laughs> so they're up in the air, and they think they're flying forward. But the jet stream was strong enough to push their plane backward. Oh, wow. And, hmm. and so then they started to figure out huh. where they were. So, which, anyway, a really interesting book. That sounds interesting. So it's kind of like the quirky history that you don't, it's not the big scope history, but it's really these quirky little anecdotes about how the, the Air Force came together. Huh. Real interesting stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Miles told me an interesting back that he read this has been reading Unbroken and he said forever he's reading Unbroken uh, wow he's loving it he's like he just keeps telling me all, I should be reading it with him you haven't read it I have oh okay but it's been a while ago so he's telling me all these things and he said for every um, for every plane that was shot down in like a fight six were just lost in the Pacific mm. like, really it's pretty that's just interesting yeah. But it's because it was probably so new. There's probably a lot that right. they were still trying to figure out. Right. And inexperienced pilots. Yeah, and they didn't have them. Sky's blue, water's blue. Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> they didn't have Maverick. Teaching yeah. them. They needed Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're. All right, let's give our um, ratings and recommendations here. Oh. Um, we're looking to you. Four out of five cooked geese. Really? Yeah. Four out of five? Yeah. Because it was well done. Mm-hmm. 
It uh, it was as you pointed out, the plot was, but I think that was what it accomplished. It accomplished what it set out to do. It was purposeful. Yeah, yeah. it was almost nihilistic and dreadful and disappointing, but that's the point. I'm going to turn back to No Country for Old Men and see what you... Oh. <laughs> see what Greg's review... Yeah, yeah, you can. That was no. bad. <laughs> All right, any, uh, any cautions for any of our listeners? What would you say would be the generally appropriate age? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Every, every child's different. Well, That's why I said that. generally. Well, I was surprised Miles would read Unbroken, but how old is he again? He's uh, 11. Yeah. I have it. I don't know if I'd give it to Judah. But Judah. Oh. It's not, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's just a good story. I mean, he's asking. I mean, he's, it's yeah. a good conversation. It's not, uh, yeah. Well, now I think I need up my game. Oh. I, mean, I, I just thought the thrift store last week and I was like, oh, like two or three bucks. I was like, sure. Sure, yeah. It's like, Miles, you should read this. And he's just dove into it. The time for the war for independence, there was. Do you mean the Revolutionary War? No. There was pre-teens in the military. Yeah, I know. Sailing ships, etc., etc. So, I say, just right out, right from the breast, get him watching this movie. Right from the yeah. breast. Yeah. Well, our next movie is has become Wyatt's favorite movie. <laughs> oh, nice. He loves it. He. That's all he wants to watch. So, anyway, sorry. All right, Caleb. What's your rating? And in- I'm kind of like Greg. I mean, I give it. A, I would give it a B. Just a B. I don't think I would watch it again. I don't have much interest in watching it again. But yeah, I mean, for what it was trying to accomplish, the nihilistic approach to war, uh, it like hit it on the head. I mean, when every character dies at the end, and there's like. Mm, and there's a little bit of redemptive qualities. I mean, he saves the kid's life. There's that, so... Yeah, there's just glimmers. Just, just little yeah. little flashes of light. That they probably... She probably didn't mean to do. Was it, was it, it, was, it was completely accurate. Yeah. Was no, it, it was a guy. It was a guy that wrote the book. I couldn't remember. Um, like... Yeah, he should have left that out. He should have died too. <laughs> you know, but... I think it's kind of like heart surgery. It accomplished something but you wouldn't want to go through it again no yeah. no yeah I and I, I I don't know that I would even encourage my kids to watch it maybe read the book yeah but watching it the just the the stab scenes the there's there is a fair amount of gore mm-hmm. it's not like private saving private Ryan I don't yeah know. we compared it to that I yeah it's less than that it's yeah it's less than that mm-hmm. saving private Ryan was like Hard, hard to stomach the opening mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, D Day. Mm-hmm. People getting blown up by hand grenades. And <laughs> yeah, I'd give it an 8 out of 10 for the reasons you guys said. It was well made. It was pretty faithful to the book. Um, it didn't have. Uh, I mean, yeah, being faithful to the book, it kept the same message as the book. It didn't alter. Mm-hmm. Um, was the book written in the 20s. It didn't alter the purpose of the book. Now that's good. Um, it's sad and depressing. I don't think it'll be one I own. I don't think I want to buy it. I don't know if it can because it's a Netflix movie, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a DVD, but if I were to... And I would say you're, you're, I think teenagers could watch it depending on their maturity and what they've seen or read already. Mm. But... I wouldn't say if I were to recommend a World War One movie, it would be 1917 mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, Sergeant York. That'd mm-hmm. be a, a good World War One movie to start off with. Yeah, 1917. Well, that's the best. Yeah, that's the best so far. But, but do you have a, another World War One movie recommendation? No, I can't think of any. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it seems like World War Two has gotten more of the glory. It was closer. Closer. To Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. And our involvement <clears throat> our involvement in World War One seemed like it came t- more towards the end. With World War Wilson, you know, just kind of a where World War Two is kinda we were We were there for a while. Heavily involved. Yeah. 
All right. Anything else you want to say? No. 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 All right. Well, that's All Quiet on the Western Front, 2022 edition, rendition, version. Thanks for listening to the Stories for Glory. If you have any recommendations for us, please send them in. Wrong button. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, where the glory of God is revealed in the stories of man. If you're interested in what we are doing, subscribe and share. If you'd like to contribute with your questions or recommendations, you can email us at storiesforglory at protonmail.com.